shore where the mountains meet the sea in a clapboard shack by a broken down tree. There's a light in the window, just salty gals inside. I'm not sure if they're witches, but you know that's implied. Got the storytelling, ego swelling, pillow talking, moonlight walking, sea Hags podcast. I'm Chris Sheppa. I'm Katie Norgren. With us this week <laughs> is where the hell's that character coming from? <laughs> it's the amazing Erin. Hello. Returning back. for part two. Yes. Hello. Or 2.5 because mm-hmm. she was in our two Christmas episodes for little vignettes sure. as well. Yeah. But this is for a real topic. Whew. For the real one. So ready for yeah. this. Welcome to episode 101. We did it. We broke off another hundo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And this is the last episode we'll ever do because we just said that. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just carrying on the tradition of stealing other podcast bits. Um, yeah, that's that's what it's all about was we just steal. Yeah. Just steal. Don't or pirates. Re- don't recreate the wheel. Just steal. <laughs> just grift. Just just grift it up. Yeah. And we're just putting our own spin on it, I guess. Mm. Um, I guess. Yeah, I don't even know. I, uh, how was your week, Katie? <laughs> Shit. Okay. How was your weekend? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> don't want to talk about it. My week was good. Oh, that's good. So on hot yoga. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's a How hot, hot is it? It's so not actually hot. that hot, which is good. It's more, uh, it's an infrared sauna yoga thing, and I went to nice. four classes in a week. Wow. Which is a lot, but my body feels okay, so I'm going to keep going, I think. I, I did. That. I did, like, a cheap trial, and it was just, like, so nice in the cold, cold weatherness, mm. like... I actually feel warm. In the cold, cold weatherness, in, in the, the before cold, times. In the cold, cold dark in the long, long ago. <laughs> uh, let's see. What did I do this week that's worth talking about? I read uh, kids' books, which was fun. Did I mention that last time we recorded? No. No? Uh, I read a series of children's books from the 1980s that are some of my wife's favorite books uh, ever, which is a series by Monica Hughes called the Isis Trilogy, which, you know, not not such a great name these days, um, <laughs> but, but like the uh, goddess Isis. Yeah, yeah it's, it's about a planet called Isis, and it's mm. it's uh, it was a really really lovely uh, trilogy of really re- well written kids sci fi books cool. that made me feel a little bit closer to my wife as a little kid, like Aww. like just thinking about what a little baby trans would have thought <laughs> about like this Aww. genetically modified. Uh, teen girl who lives on a planet by herself with her robot guardian. I mean, that's pretty that's good. adorable. <laughs> it, was, it was excellent. I really liked it. So, mm-hmm. Monica Hughes, The Keeper of the Isis Light, is the first book in the series, if y'all are interested. Nice. Uh, it was a getter. Uh, and everything else sucked, so that's the only thing mm-hmm. I'll mention. <laughs> Highlights. Yeah. I got into a fun conversation with my friends, because uh, my friend from, like, since we were 12... Uh, is about to have a baby with his wife, which is really exciting, and I got, like, so doula on them, because I was just, like, <laughs> trying like doula. trying not to, but then I was just like, oh, you know, I just hope that, like, because she was complaining that she was having some really bad lower back pain, and they, like, made it to the Chan Van- Chad Van Galen concert, and she managed to make it for, like, three songs and then had to leave, because oh, no. her back was hurting so bad, and I was like, oh, have you done, like... You know, here's some things that Derek could do. Press the belly, do these things. I gave him a book to read, and I don't think he read it. And I'm like, come on, man. What a you got to do it. And uh, so then I just was like, advice, 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 advice. And then I was just like, wait, sorry, I'm dueling myself. Mm-hmm. I just need to, like, stop Oof. that. Did it take you a while to clean that up after you dueled yourself? <laughs> exactly. Get and all that placenta out of there. Oh, <laughs> that placenta that fell to the floor. floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were we even talking about that on the podcast? Nope. No, we were just singing live. <laughs> 
singing um, live live and mm-hmm. uh, the only rock song that features placenta <laughs> it heavily <laughs> or at all. At all, probably. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It was just kind of funny. So then I was just like, I just hope that you have a really nice birth plan and like whatever you want, you know, comes to fruition. And that's oh, all. And then she was nice. just like, and she's like, I don't have a birth plan. I'm just gonna. And I was like, ah, what do you mean? <laughs> so then I'm like, must refrain. <laughs> but like, man, people like having a baby is so like public. I got a text from that friend's mom about her cer- like about her daughter-in-law's cervix, you know? Like it's oh just gosh. such a weird like, oh, you know, so and so's two centimeters dilated already. I'm just like what a <laughs> weird I, I will not have a kid because I don't want people to know the state Well, it's that's not true. I obviously want people to know the state of my cervix. Yeah, I tell you, jokes about it constantly, but that's on my terms. Yeah, and you don't want to destroy that perfect cervix. <laughs> no, it's so perfect. <laughs> It would be foolish. But yeah, it was just kind of funny that I was just like, oh yeah, I know so much about your body. And then I had a bit of an existential crisis yesterday because I was about to be like, my best friend's having a baby, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, wait, Katie's my best friend now. Did Katie supersede Darren? (laughs) I think she did. But then I'm like, I can also have two best friends. You can have as many best friends as you want, but I will murder all of them to be the top. It's Just like, as long as you know that he's he's got the longest running because he's from like age twelve, so mm. that's that's pretty good. Awesome. So. He's got Special six category. years on me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my god, I wrote down, I'm just like, can I have multiple best friends? Is this high school? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> you can. Want. Yeah, okay. I will kill him, though. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. He's moving back to the coast soon, so you'll be able to murder him in close proximity. I just Excellent. can't wait to meet this little baby girl, and I, like, cried a little thinking about it. Aww. Like, I already love her so much. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Babies. 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 How are your babies? Aaron? My babies are big. They're big. <laughs> they're not babies anymore. Big babies. That's right. No, we talk good. about your kids too much on the show. It seems. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, betray their own. No, but, but I think it's good to set it up because one day they will be guests on the show. So nice. <laughs> I mean, assume you guys they, keep doing this for ten years. Yeah, we will. The younger one will be for sure. Oh, for sure. He'll have a lot to talk. I about. I mean, he could be a guest right now. That <laughs> <laughs> would be really fascinating. We just, we just won't use his name. Yeah, <laughs> podcasting within a year. <laughs> did I did I tell you that he um we were we were listening to some music we both we share um the Google Play app amongst the family mm-hmm. and so the nice thing about that is I can see all of their playlists uh-huh. so I can see what you know what their interests are and so forth so he really wanted to listen to his playlist and I said sure and then the first song that came on was King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard and I was so <laughs> proud and he knows all the words I'm like how do you even know this <laughs> how so, did he find out about that he must have like seen it on my playlist. Wow. And then said, oh, I'll check this out. And then now it's his Because, I mean, that's a pretty cool name. That would be pretty attractive to, like, a young kid. Oh, like, yeah, what yeah. King Gizzard and the Lizard the Wizard? coolest ever. And then we're talking, and he's like, oh, Mom, did you know that the moon landing was faked? <laughs> so then I had this long conversation with him about why he thinks the moon landing was faked. The moon landing was faked, guys, but uh, it was faked by Stanley Kubrick, and he's such a completist that they actually shot it on the moon. <laughs> So it wasn't faked. <laughs> no, it was faked. It was just faked on the moon. On the moon. There were no okay. astronauts. There was just right. a film crew. I'll, have to, I'll bring that to him and see what he has to say about that. It's just like the conversations we have sometimes. It's yeah. And you're also taking him to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard as his first concert, which is very very cool. This is a band then, King this Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Yeah. Yes. That's like one of Bob's favorite bands. Oh, too, is that I right? Yeah. Wow. Is it like an offshoot of Captain Beefheart or something? <laughs> it does. It's got that sort of seventies throwback psychedelic style to it. It's it's very interesting. I highly recommend it. Okay, mm-hmm. try. I just think like I was, <laughs> my joke yesterday was like, wow, his like bank security questions are going to be so interesting. <laughs> what was your first concert? How many characters can I fit? <laughs> my first concert was Garth Brooks. I, I'm oh. breaking into your band city now. <laughs> 
<laughs> Actually, my you, fan city doesn't ask that question. It should. No, it would be get, Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> uh, you get to choose all the time, like what your different mm. security questions are. I always go first concert because it was Oasis. Oh, Perfect. now I'm breaking no, into breaking your bank account. Yeah. Chris's. Okay, we're all. <laughs> and the whole, like, we've got all these Russian hackers listening here. Like, yeah. Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> password Gallagher fan 69 <laughs> 420. <laughs> no, it's eyebrows 420. <laughs> Eyebrows for twenty. Roll them up and blaze them. Smoke eyebrows every day. All right. So you wanted to come? Should we get into our topic? We had a topic. I love having. We um, actually have a topic today, and yeah, Aaron. Aaron came with plan, which is a question that I had based on the uh, the topic that we had about Mm -hmm. planning versus improvisation. Yes, I'm definitely a planner. Um, I would love to be better at improvising and being more off the cuff, but I know that's it makes me very uncomfortable. Um, I like having notes. I like knowing what I'm doing. (laughs) <laughs> I don't like faking it. Um, so one of the things I wanted to um, talk about was uh, I've been recently getting back into Myers-Briggs <laughs> personality tests, and it came about in kind of a weird way. I was uh, I I work with an interesting group of people. <laughs> Chris has heard many stories. Um, and what's happened lately is a lot of my colleagues uh, have decided to go and, and take MBA programs. Oh. Yeah, which is interesting. They and, just you know, want to be all up in the business. Yeah, they want to get into the business. And uh, for some reason, they teach Myers-Briggs in the MBA program, which kind of shocked me. I was like, really? Are they, you they are? sure? But huh. yeah, they use it as a way to, um, you know, in terms of like negotiation and team culture, they use it as a way to like, you know, how do you categorize people? How do you deal with people with different personality types? Right. And, you know, so that you can see like, oh, in a team we've got, these are all people. So instead of people self-identifying their strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. and what they like to do or whatever, they just take the test and then we'll put you in all these categories and then we'll know that like, well, you're a this and you're a that. Yeah. So you'll work together better and I'll keep these two people on this team. Or, exactly. Uh-huh. So it is a way of controlling the people. (laughs) But I thought it was interesting. So, I mean, I had done the test probably when I was in my 20s. And at the time, I kind of went, really? That doesn't sound right. But now I did it again, got the exact same result. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God. And I don't know if it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, like, I just kind of uh, molded into that uh, characteristic. But it was definitely like, oh, man, again. So I was, I did that and I went, okay, well maybe there is something to this. And then, um, I was telling my partner about it and he's like, again, with the astrology and he's like, this is astrology for atheists. And I'm like, stop it. I like this stuff. Anyways. And so I said to him, I'm like, okay, listen, uh, you don't believe in this, but I'm going to read through all the, there's 16 different possibilities, different personality types. And I said, I'm going to read through all of the descriptions. I'm going to decide which one I think you are. You're, and I'm going to write on a piece of paper and put an envelope. And then I'm going to get you to take the test. And if I'm right, if I nailed you down, then you're just going to have to eat humble pie. Because <laughs> I'm right and you're wrong. Fun and, times around the house. Yeah, exactly. He loves it when I do this. We so said, fine, I'll play along. What is the recipe for humble pie? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. I need some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. I'm, I'm probably good, honestly. <laughs> 
Anyway, so uh, I read through, I found the one, and I'm like, this is him. This is absolutely him. And he took the test, and he showed me. He's like, yeah, this is what I got. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I was totally right. Oh, nice. So then I was like, okay, maybe there is something to this. Um, so I was interested if you guys have... Uh, now, Katie, I already talked to, and she, she told me what hers was, which yep. I love because it's very close to mine mm-hmm. with just one, one variation. And then Chris, I don't know if you had a chance to take it or not. Yes, so I told you what I thought that I had yesterday. And I totally forgot. That's totally fine. <laughs> um, and then I did the test again just to make sure, and mm-hmm. I got a different thing. Oh. But just off by one thing. Yeah. And some of the questions I was like, I feel like right now in the mood that I'm in yes. and like the work that I've been doing, I've changed to like more of a planner than an improviser. Hmm. And I've been getting way more into organization because of this all this bullet journal oh, bullshit. Yeah, for sure. And like Right now, like, my work is super, because it's the beginning of the year, we're in strategic planning mode. Mm -hmm. I think if I took the test in, like, July, I would probably get a different result again. So I'm kind of, like, cuspy. I'm on the cusp between two different things. And I think um, for all of these, because it is, like, you have... it's a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. You could be right in the center and you could have almost equal parts of, you know, extroversion versus introversion, mm-hmm. or you could be really far on one side or really far on the other. So it sounds like whatever that, that particular letter um, was something where you're right in the middle. Yeah, and you, the and you N, can't F, sway. S, whatever, yeah. N, S. Sensing versus intuition. Yeah. Why don't I read through, like, in case people at home want to play along yeah, <laughs> and start do. start thinking about, oh, where do I fit on this? Um, I'll just run through the, the various. So the, if you've taken this before, you know you basically, uh, you end up with a four-letter acronym. Um, and the letters uh, are, you know, there's sort of two sides of each coin. So the first one, which I think is probably the hardest for people to understand, is the extroversion versus introversion. Because I think in... Um, a lot of people just assume that if you're outgoing and you're chatty and you're very social that you're automatically an extrovert mm-hmm. and, you know, you're put into that category. Um, I like the way that they... I, I was doing some research this morning on this. and of course <laughs> Nerd <there's>, alert. <laughs> look out, guys. Here we go. Um, I was doing some research and I like the way that uh, this particular um, website was describing the, the dichotomy. So for extroversion versus introversion, the question you'd ask yourself is, do you prefer to focus on the outer world or your own inner world. So it doesn't mean that you're necessarily more of a people person um, or more outgoing or, you know, the first person to speak in a room. It's more like when you're looking at the world as a whole, are you focusing outwards or are you more introspective and Mm. looking inwards? Um, Because I always end up on the E side, which bothers me because I feel like I'm an introvert. I was a shy kid. Um, Sometimes it takes me a little bit of time to warm up in a group. Mm -hmm. But the truth is I really do focus on what's outside of me way more than being self-reflective and, and introspective. Mm-hmm. That's just my thing. So that's so listeners at home start thinking like, do you feel that way mm-hmm. or which mm-hmm. way do you go? Mm-hmm. The next dichotomy is sensing versus intuition. So the question you'd ask yourself there is, do you prefer to focus on the basic information you take in, which is sensing, or do you prefer to interpret and add meaning? (laughs) So for me, that's an obvious one because I'm always interpreting and analyzing and adding to everything that I see. Mm -hmm. I don't take things at face value. I do, like, I expect there to be many, many layers of complexity under everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the one that, yeah, was flipping with me. Which is mm-hmm. interesting because I feel like I'm way more on the like intuitive, yeah. putting meaning, like all those layers. But I guess like for whatever reason, the answers that I was giving 
was a lot more like, because there was one that's like, oh, do you like to trust your imagination or your experience? And I'm just like, mm. experience 100%. Like, I know mm. that I've done this before, and I know what I can expect. Mm-hmm. And then, like, instead of, like, imagining what the possibilities could be kind of thing, and that's just, yeah, it feels like that's a change as I'm getting older where I'm I'm getting more experience and more data that now I'm just, like, it's a little more objective or, like, or I'm expecting it to go in a certain way rather than, like, oh, imagine, like, what other meanings could be in there, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I love my intuition a lot. I just feel like I haven't been tapped into it a lot lately and that's the same with like my creativity and all of those things just like have been kind of the tap for that has been turned off a little it's kind of sad like Mm -hmm. trying to trust my instincts I just haven't they've not been right in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways Mm -hmm. lately and it's yeah it bugs me because normally I feel like I'm super intuitive but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I don't think it's uh something where you're stuck in one or the other through your life it can change over time I think it's just you know as your default response. And, mm-hmm. and you, I think you hit something there where you said, you know, you usually trust your intuition. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be wrong. And it doesn't mean that your intuition is always right. Yes. That doesn't put you into that category. It's when you are faced with a situation, by default, are you going to go with what you see? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to wait and analyze and go deeper before you're willing to make a judgment call? Yeah. Totally. So that's like when you talk about the spectrum or you have like a part of this and part of that, like I was right in the middle almost of those things. So yeah, that makes sense to me. All right. The next one is thinking versus feeling. Touchy topic. (laughs) When making decisions, do you prefer to first look at logic and consistency or first look at the people and special circumstances? Um, so for me and Katie, we're both, we're, we're pure F's, I think. And I thought you (laughs) might be as well. You're such an F. (laughs) Your F is F. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that, um, for me again, like I'm fascinated by people. Yes. And I, you know, all, I think all of my interest in dreadful, they can be, but I, I love, (laughs) I I love meeting new people, learning about people, like really digging in to figure out who they are. Like that really interests me. And I think my, um, interest in this (laughs) definitely reflects that my interest in astrology also. Hey, this is a safe space. I said, okay. Yeah. We're very, very, what is how many tarot cards do you see? You're a Scorpio, of course. Yes. Mm -hmm. The horniest sign. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I can talk about that Mm -hmm. later. (laughs) oh so gross okay anyways sex is disgusting let's move on oh i i have another topic i was was actually debating whether i'll talk about this which i'm obsessed with right now or my other topic which is bird sex so if we want to get into that a little later i mean that combines two of katie's favorite interests which are birds and sex (laughs) i don't like sex (laughs) i like birds though i I love birds too i'm really getting into it anyways we can talk about that birds like to Don't call it the birds and the bees for nothing. That's right. Oh, it's so interesting. Anyways, so I think this one is fairly uh, simple for people to identify. Like, are you a thinker or are you a feeler? Mm -hmm. And and again, you don't have to be one, just purely one side or the other. You can be somewhere in between. But I like the idea that for people who are on the feeling side, they first look at people in special circumstances to see, you know, what what's the situation. Context. Um, yeah, the context. And, yeah, all that stuff <laughs> rather than just intellectualizing everything. And then the last one, this one I've always struggled with, judging versus perceiving. I feel like the word judging here is problematic because, you know, who wants to be called judgmental, right? Mm-hmm. And you certainly don't want to say, oh, yeah, I'm always judging the other people or whatever. But that's not really what they're trying to say. So the description here is, in dealing with the outside world, do you prefer to get things decided 
or do you prefer to stay open to new information and options? And for me, I'm definitely the first. You mm -hmm. know, I like I I'm very impatient. I want to make a decision and move on very quickly. Yeah, yep. I, I'm yeah, okay. We got it. <laughs> oh boy. So for me, it's like I I'm not wishy washy. Um, I'm open to other ideas, but I am also by default I will I will stick with my decision. Someone has to convince me otherwise. Mm -hmm. And and if they do, if they've got a strong argument, I'm more than willing to admit that I was wrong and go with them. But I like to just get her done. Yeah. So I. Think <laughs> I think you and I are the same then, the With ENFJ. ENFJ. Yeah. Are you both Get ENFJs? Yes. Yeah. And I'm an INFJ. And but then I was the ESFJ. Oh, okay. So for let's some too, which that. and so I read both of them and I'm like, I think they could be, but I really I relate more to the ENFJ. Which the like ESFJ was a lot more like martyry, right? Which I'm not. No, you're not. <laughs> I wouldn't no. see that at so. all. No, you're not. <laughs> so if you want to take a look at the different archetypes, um, go to sixteenpersonalities.com. I don't work for them. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is not is a sponsor. <laughs> Just kidding. Sixteen is the number personalities, and then um, you can take the test there if you want to. But they also show you all the different archetypes, which I'm just pulling up right now so that we can see. Yeah, uh, so it's the, the protagonist is the one that... Yeah. I have to, I think it's like the helper usually or something like that. This is uh, It's also my Enneagram if, for those playing along at home. Yeah, so what Enneagram and Myers-Briggs are the same, aren't they? they are, they're a little different, but they basically do the same Okay, function. so maybe I took the Enneagram and got the ENFJ, and then when I no, did the Myers-Briggs... No, it's different different numbers. It's, it's not... Uh, you get a number instead oh, okay. of a... You don't get uh, an acronym. It's so... Uh, number two is my Enneagram, and it's oh, just like the helping Oh, right, one. yes. No, no, I've definitely done Lauren that, too. Right, we're doing that. Yes. Okay, all these different... Yeah, I remember we did that at work, too, and we tried to figure out who is what. A lot of twos in uh, in harm reduction, I would yeah, assume. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, all these things are really interesting. Like, yeah, team building exercises. And so I've worked in lots mm. of different workplaces. And my mom was really... She's into so many various kinds of categorization <laughs> things. Uh -huh. So that's anything that comes with a binder. Yeah. And some, like... <laughs> Some videos or but something. But, like, other people I've worked with are like that, too. So it's like, I know, like, my color and my num my Enneagram number mm. and my Myers-Briggs and my whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, so I could list, like, all my different, like, <laughs> archetypes. I know, like, yeah, my tarot archetype and my astrology oh my one as well as the, like... And maybe that's an ENFJ thing that we just, we're just totally into this stuff. Because it like is about... self-categorize. Yeah. yeah, and it is really, like, about learning about people and, yes. like, how people interact with each other. Yes. Which That's is like huge for me. it is looking at the the outside and looking at context and looking at communities where it's like how are all these people like how do they all fit together and what are the social dynamics but like the ESFJ apparently was focused way more on the like gossip social scene kind of thing and like really status obsessed and so that also didn't really sit super yeah. well with me so I'm just looking up that um, one ESFJ yeah it was the, the console. console there we go so I'm just write that down which is ESFJ. yeah weird. So yeah, if we compare that, we'll take a look at the console. Um, they are, for lack of a better word, popular, which I think you are. Um, but in high school, the ESFJs are the cheerleaders and quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I which don't know like, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and but I've changed a lot since high school as well. <laughs> Later in life, ESFJs continue to enjoy supporting their friends and loved ones, organizing social gatherings, and doing their best to make sure everyone is happy. Yeah, I think that's so a that, good fit that for fits you too. Yeah. yeah. So. I don't know. It was just, like, it was an interesting thing where it's, like, I can take some of some and some of the other yeah. a little bit. But, like, the, the protagonist one just kind of fits 
better. The like console archetype is like very much about like, oh, I'm gonna tend to your needs, tend to your and like, oh, they they totally always subsume their own needs for other people. I'm like, fuck, I do not. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely do not. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, the, uh, INFJ, I don't feel cuspy at all. I feel like it's extremely accurate. Mm-hmm. So Insofar as, like, whenever I, I, almost in the same way when I read Pisces stuff from, uh, from Chani Nicholas. <laughs> you know which one I, I feel so seen. Which one were you? So, were it's you the, the analysts? I Diplomat, usually? Oh, advocate. Like advocate, am, that's the one. There we go. Uh, so we're all, we all, there's four categories. <laughs> We've got our analysts, our diplomats, our sentinels, and our explorers. So all three of us have fallen mostly in the diplomat category. And what, what is sentinel? So sentinels are... The, the guys from X-Men, right? That they <laughs> Big robots that you have to punch and kick. <laughs> I don't think it's the same thing. I think like a sentinel is like a guard, like someone who's like protecting, um, is putting uh, the needs of others Mm -hmm. in front of them. You know, you can think of um, a a guard, someone who's guarding the king. The king is more important than they are and they're self-sacrificing. So, yeah, I would say diplomat. For me, like that category makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. to me. Like I've always, people have always commented on my diplomacy Mm -hmm. and that I'm always, you know, willing to listen definitely judging and and (laughs) being impatient about it, but still trying to see things from all angles. Um, Yes, and we have the Sentinels, and then the Explorers are interesting groups. So these are your um, adventurous uh, creators and um, social butterflies and things like that. So really interesting to see those different groups. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, I'm wondering if, like, the Sentinel thing and, like, the change is just because I've been working in, like, way more of, like, a support role lately, Mm -hmm. kind of putting, like, in a career way, like, putting other people's needs sort of above my own and stuff like that. So maybe that's just the shift. Sure. And, again, it's like, yeah, ask me at a different time and I'll probably, like, shift to a different category. Right. (laughs) Because everything's changing. Tell us a little bit about Katie. Yeah. Please, tell us about me. (laughs) I find this interesting. I could tell you were getting bored because we weren't talking about you. Oh, typical advocate, right? Tell me I'm I'm wrong. Typical only child. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's that too. Um, So the advocate, I like the little, the clip on here says, quiet and mystical. (laughs) Nope. Yet very... Mystical, sure. Mystical, not quiet. Yet very inspiring and tireless idealists. Would you consider yourself an idealist? Ultimately, yes, I'm a cynical idealist, but mm. I, I really do believe in goodness uh, and like the moral imperative to be good. Um, so in some respects, I am. Mm. Like I don't think practically that the ideal things will necessarily come to pass, but mm-hmm. that it is our duty as people in the world to make as much effort towards that as possible. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, yes, I, I am. Yeah. Ultimately, kind of an idealist. So INFJs are not idle dreamers, but people capable of taking concrete steps to realize their goals and make a lasting positive impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Lasting okay. positive impact for sure. Says, help me help you, and I and I definitely get that from you. Like you are. I'm an advisor for fucks. I know. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> it's rough sometimes. I just want to give all the students everything they want to need. <laughs> and they just walk right all over you. Oh, no, they're super nice. They? I just like want to baby them all. Aw. My angels. <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. Okay, perfect. So yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. I hope people at home uh, have 
get a sense of what this is about and aren't being too cynical about it. They might be, and that's fine. You can judge me all you want. But uh, definitely take the test and see where you fall, and then you can decide, you know, if it's all bullshit or if it's something you believe in. Yeah, I kind of, I like it. And it's neat that there's so many categories, so it really does give, like, a wide spectrum Mm -hmm. of, like, pretty much can encapsulate the whole breadth of the human experience. Exactly. <laughs> if you can categorize people, but, like, I think you can, and I like them. But, like, with as with every category, like, the boundaries are flexible. Mm-hmm. And For it's sure. And it's just a fun way to, like, I don't know. It's a, it's a good yeah, tool of introspection. I'm really interested in the, like, the extrovert-introvert, like, that, I, you know, maybe you're more aware of, like, the things outside of you versus, like, mm-hmm. introspective. Like, Katie, you're definitely one of the more introspective people that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that I was self-reflective and then as I think about it, I'm like, nah, not really. I, guess. <laughs> I would like to be a lot less self-reflective actually. Cause it's like pathological for me now at this point. And mm-hmm. I'm mean, this with so many things that I, I, so many things that I do that are good. I do them in a way that's bad for me. Uh, uh I guess it's like eating too much fiber or something like that. You know, you're just like, this is a good thing. So I'll just do it as much as I can, which ends up taking me to that solipsistic place that I was mm-hmm. talking about with mm-hmm. you earlier, which is just that. I'm like, am I just standing in a room screaming into a mirror? <laughs> is, that, is that all I'm doing? Yeah, that's sort of like the so that's, extreme that's the, response. That is the downside to that amount of introspection. But on the other hand, no one has ever told me something about myself I was surprised to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it was completely untrue. I'm like, I, when somebody tells me something about myself that I'm like, that's not accurate, honestly, then I feel very confident about that. Like, yeah, maybe yes. I said something that came off wrong. But if someone tells me I am something, I'm like, no, I'm not. I feel pretty assured in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I'm always surprised, like people will tell me, oh, you know, you're like this, or you've got this leadership style, or you're, you know, this is, here's a weakness that I've seen in you. And oftentimes I'm like, huh? And then, oh yeah, you saw it in <laughs> here's me before a I see it myself. I've seen in you. Who said this <laughs> oh, to you? Oh my boss, don't get me started. Don't even get me started. <laughs> You know where they work, I'll come and that's hang an, them up by their ankles. That's an indelicate term. Yeah, and, I, and he didn't mean it like that, but it's basically like, this is this is where you need to grow. Mm-hmm. This is like, not, not necessarily a weakness, but this is why you're not getting to the next level. Mm. Here's something you need to work on in yourself. Oh, you haven't drank anyone else's blood yet. <laughs> Get on right. that. Drink some blood, for Go God's sake. Go take the MBA program. <laughs> Lord, no, don't do that, don't please. I value those. you too much as a person for, to lose you that way. <laughs> The you only reason I would take it would be to take it down from within. <laughs> that just seems like a lot of extra work. A lot work. of extra yeah. work's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't imagine that that many MBAs have actually been useful items <laughs> for people. Like, that's, you know, that's not fair. Like, a lot of people do that later in life, and then they, you know, get into consulting, and they love it, and it's sure. really great. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm in a place <laughs> at the moment where I just, like... Is that job necessary? Is this thing necessary? Like, why are we creating needs for things that don't actually exist? Mm -hmm. Like, any of the blank industrial complex things. Like, yeah. Like, dieting and... Mm -hmm. Or... Startups, uh, <laughs> Juicera, for Christ's sakes, they made a thing that crushed a bag, and then they found out that you could just crush the bag with your hands, yeah. and so they well, wasted like three hundred like dollars or something. Oh my god, just millions crusher. of dollars wasted for these things. Yeah. So I'm just venture like, capital that they mm-hmm. just have money to mm-hmm. spend on I just, whatever. I so do. I loathe the ambition of others. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I just like 
stop. Stop just being stop. so damn ambitious. We just need Ruining to just the world. take care of each other more instead. But yeah. you can't monetize that, it turns out. Yeah. So. I bet you could, but... You have to, like, create needs and then fulfill these fake needs. Yeah. It's bullshit. Well, I mean, that's what... It's bullshit. Advertising is, basically, right? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Don't even know how I got over there. I was just thinking about MBAs and the things that you can do with them. And they're usually not great. That's all. Some of these, like, fucking stupid startups are so interesting to me where it's just like, yeah, why did we need that? There was a funny tweet, though, where it was just, like, this guy was like, oh, I saved all this something, blah, 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 going to the store, and I got these tampons for whatever, but it's like he had a box of pads in his hand that wasn't actually oh, the, a tampon. It was a kid who's like, yeah. I was able to steal this box of tampons from the Amazon store. Right. <laughs> Like the brick and mortar store, and it's like, those are pads. Yeah, the tweet was like, nothing says I'm in tech, like, not knowing the difference between pads and tampons. Oh my god. Brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm concerned about putting people by uh, requirement for jobs through identical paces, uh, Mm -hmm. like an MBA program would have in general. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure that there are some that are very good, and there are some that are just, like... Like my career counseling class was that I took, which was which <laughs> was basically <laughs> like doing the MBTI uh, mm-hmm. and the um, oh god we did uh, aptitude tests oh yes and right. we did group projects <laughs> oh barf <laughs> and stuff like that so it's just I was just I like, like I bet projects. I bet that like, this is a lot like going to business school mm-hmm. we were talking a, a little bit last night about like. Um, degree programs and like getting people hands-on experience to skill them up for work and blah 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 um and then our other friend was saying like but what about these humanities uh classes and what about these amazing arts-based things that like really teach you how to think independently and creatively and And i think there's a lot of critical thinking a lot of data that supports that people who truly are successful in a technical field did do a lot of humanities mm-hmm. in as an undergraduate, you know, either minoring or even majoring in, in it because they do teach you a different way of thinking and you don't get stuck in a rut where you're basically, you know how to do one thing really, really well, mm-hmm. but you can't break out of that because mm-hmm. that's all you've been trained to do. So I think, I think she's right. There, there yeah. needs to be a balance. So yes, put, you know, energy into um, skills building and trades and so forth, but you have to balance that out because, mm-hmm. you know, people are just going to be stuck and they're not going to be fulfilled. But like the way that systems are set up right now is that you stream people into either one or the other. Yeah. And I wish yeah. that there was a synthesis between the two. It would be yeah. so good. More integrated. Like, you know, yes, I'm doing carpentry, but I'm also like studying this literature thing. And like somehow it just like, it would work together in a way so that people have like, cause then on the job site, then you need emotional intelligence to work with your team. Of like, course. you know, you need yeah. to be able to, yeah, solve a problem creatively that it's like the boss doesn't even know like how to like, oh, now we're stuck on this problem. And then someone can be like, oh, I had this interesting creative solution or like it might help you with like managing staffing issues because, you know, everyone's in a rut of like everyone needs to be nine to five, but no one can work, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. if we were creative, we could change the schedule around and da, da, da. Like there's all kinds of uses for creative problem solving that no one would necessarily think about. Yeah. So uh. I think these programs, they if you are doing a pure science program, I like that, at least where I work, that there is re- requirements to do um, arts breadth. and breadth. Yeah, the breadth requirements. That wasn't around when I was yeah. doing my degree. Came in in 2006. Um, well, when I was How doing... do you know that? <laughs> I've reviewed the Senate documents. <laughs> of course she <laughs> has. reviewed the Senate documents. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, I approve the calendar every yeah. year for our department. <laughs> wow. So. Yeah. But, like, it, I Gotta remember when I was doing, like, my undergrad, 
undergrad in arts, I, like you had to do a science credit. Yeah, I don't so it was know. The opposite. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it. Yeah, no, there's, you have to do two Mm -hmm. Q classes, which are quantitative based, so something that has a mathematical base of some kind, so they take formal logic from, this is like me getting to do my job on on air, which is not something (laughs) I get to do terribly often, Uh, so there's the the Q classes, uh, they have, you can do formal logic, you can do a math, you can do, uh, I did an upper division Q in gender studies that was about risk assessment, uh, and risk in gendered sporting and, like, adventure activities and stuff, so it was, like, a very interesting thing about, like, physical gendered bodies and mm. and the risks inherent in like letting women go into men's sports but their uterus might fall out and like what happens when trans athletes are trying to like break Mm. into a gendered sport that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff so so that was a cue class but it was fascinating Mm -hmm. and i i I learned a lot about risk as a concept and how that's applied Mm. academically and i wouldn't have learned that and i took uh math for teachers and it taught me about bases which is something that i'd never known before was that like we count in tens because we have 10 fucking fingers (laughs) And, like, there is a different way to look at numbers. Like, you could do base four, which is you only have uh, the digits zero, one, two, and three. Uh, And you can still count two numbers that exist using this base, but they'll have different numerical... And and it made sense in the class. So it opened up my brain in a way that I wouldn't have expected. And I think, like, going back to school has made me more of a... um, like a the J in the INFJ is like mm-hmm. the judging the whole, sort of like snap like I don't judge people like their mm-hmm. experiences in life but I'll judge like the behavior or mm-hmm. something like because I have to be like oh is this person on a bus just needing to rant or are they going to come and spit in my face right now because yeah, so then I can about, make that judgment that's yeah. about safety yeah. and I think a lot of women are hyper vigilant about that yeah, obviously sure. mm-hmm. or just anything right yeah. like it's just like what is the right kind of uh, vibe for me to be projecting in this room right now mm-hmm. like am I coming across as too bored or whatever, you know? So I think those are, those are things that are... You were on your phone, sorry. <laughs> that are, uh, it, what is the last, it's either a J or a P? Uh, yeah, perceiving. Because I uh, perceive the world around me, but I don't perceive it without applying judgment to mm-hmm. it, right? Like I, I have to process what I'm perceiving. So, mm-hmm. but I think I look at Tessa and I think she has trouble with the processing. So she's just picking it up and sometimes can't interpret it. Right. So those yep. are those are things I notice in the difference. Although she she came up with an INFJ as well. I think she's more oh. like an INFP probably. Mm-hmm. So what one's that? What archetype is that? INFP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you didn't write all these things down next God to the thing it, already on your notes. That Why prepared. didn't I? I didn't realize we we're gonna get so deep into this. <laughs> I thought you guys would be like, "That's we fine. have an hour." <laughs> Mediator. Oh, this one. I just love this picture. If you're online right now, you can look at the mediator. It's just a lady skipping through <laughs> the flowers. Oh my god, that's totally her! I need to read that. <laughs> Poetic, kind, and altruistic people. Always eager to help a good cause. Yep. Poetic Aww. for sure. Altruistic for sure. Extremely altruistic. Yeah, I, I've... 16 Personalities is definitely the best site for this. There's a bunch of different sites that you can do this on, but this is the certainly the best put-together site. Yeah, I like the I like the design. I like the fact that they've got, you know, character types for mm-hmm. each one. You oh, can yeah. kind of identify, like, ooh, I don't like that kind of person, or, oh, that's totally me. <laughs> <laughs> the protagonist, though, is, like, the king with a sword, which is interesting. Yeah, it is an interesting... Well, I like to think of it as, like, the protagonist in uh, in fiction. Like, yeah. you know, you're reading a novel, and, and who's, who's the center of 
of this story. It's me. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of how I feel. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> I am the center of my story. I mean, it could be because I'm an only child, yeah. and so I've always had to think that way. But <laughs> was, the ones that I, uh, the, the stuff from here that I really enjoy, Erin uh, didn't say the one, Erin didn't say the one that I thought was really important. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which was just uh, some of the some of the pull quotes from this are really good. Like INFJs tend to see helping others as their purpose in life, but while people with this personality type can be found engaging rescue it be found engaging rescue efforts and doing charity work, the real passion is to get to the heart of the issue so that people need not be rescued at all. Oh, nice to make yourself obsolete. Exactly. In, basically, yeah. like like in terms of utility. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I I want everybody to have what they need. I don't want to be getting off on helping people all the time and being like a helper monkey or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just want justice in the world. Yeah. I want mm. social justice. And, and I'm willing to go to war for it. <laughs> She's such an SJW. <laughs> I'm an INFJ SJW. <laughs> it might be interesting for, for those of you out there who uh, work in a particular environment in, the, in an industry, whether you're in, um, you know, the, the social environment where you have to be, um, you're helping, uh, you know, if you're nurses or whatever, or if you're in, for me, (laughs) 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 if you work like me, I work in tech in higher ed. So it's interesting to see, like I would, looking at this list, I'd assume that there's a certain archetype that is drawn towards a particular career path mm-hmm. or, or a particular environment to yeah. work in. The so website we... puts in, like, they have a good work category and it kind of tells you, like, what would be the best. So, like, our mm-hmm. one, they always say social work and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But then when I flip to the the ESFJ or whatever, it really got into, like, or I don't know, one of the ones that I read was, like, I think it was the second one, um... If you're in any of these helping fields, like, you can't be in crisis response. You have to be, like, behind the scenes helping so that the crisis responders have the help that they need. Oh, so you're one level removed. One level removed, and that is so real for me right Mm -hmm. now. I used to be very much, like, jump into the thick of it. Now I'm just like, ooh, self-protection. Yes. And it literally said, like, you will get burned out if you do emergency (laughs) response. And I'm like, did it. Yeah. Damn (laughs) it, should have read this first. (laughs) I, um... Let's talk about our weaknesses. Oh, no. No. Here's your weaknesses, Erin. I'm so Uh, ready. This is is me. Uh, This is INFJ. Uh, Sensitive. No fucking shit, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) When someone criticizes uh, or challenges INFJ's principles or values, they are likely to receive an alarmingly strong response. (laughs) We're highly vulnerable to criticism and conflict, and questioning our motives is the quickest way to get to our bad side. Uh, This one I thought was wrong, and then I realized that it's not, which is extremely private. I don't keep the details of my life private, but I don't, I don't make my needs known. Oh, I'm very private about fun. what I want and what I need. Cause I don't want to put it on other people to uh-huh. do that for yep. me. So I think that it, it's like, um, it, we're private when it comes to our personal lives using this, it, like a completed image, not a work in progress is important to show to the world. Uh, I'm trying to fight that. Um, so it like keeps us from having to open up and be vulnerable. Mm. Like we all have a way of doing that. It seems like we're perfectionistic is another one. Um, Often drop or ignore healthy and productive situations and relationships, believing that there might be a better option down the road. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't drop things so much as not get involved in the first place because I'm afraid I'll drop things uh, <laughs> if I find. So you've learned better. to adapt to that. Always needing to have a cause and can burn out very easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Soup's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's ours. Like the ENFJ is like overly idealistic, <laughs> too selfless, too sensitive. So again, I was just like, I don't know, but at the same time, maybe. When they say too selfless, they say they can bury themselves in hopeful promises, 
Um, if they aren't careful, they can spread themselves too thin, left unable to help anybody. Like, sure. that's definitely true. Yeah, I think that's true of almost mm-hmm. anybody, yeah. but, yeah, if that's what you're doing day in, day out. Yeah, and then, like, fluctuating self-esteem, I was kind of like, I don't really feel that, but then when you kind of read, like, sometimes they ask for criticism out of insecurity and, like, wondering how I can improve, how can I improve, and I'm sure. like, I do, I do do that. <laughs> yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. You so, do do that? <laughs> <laughs> But with the with the ISFJ or ESFJ is like worried about social status, inflexible, reluctant to improvise, and I'm just like, no, none of those really feel like me at all. So again, I don't feel too needy. I don't really think so. Were you worried about not having a blazer the other day, though? I did. Yeah, I'm not trying to blow up your spot. I just thought it would be funny if I I said that. I guess that is a worried about social status and perception because I went into a fancy place that normally everyone's in suits and stuff like that. And I didn't know I had to go to that fancy place. And I was in very much an East Van Witch kind of getup. I thought that my work day was going to be way more casual. You were wearing secret pajamas. I absolutely was wearing secret pajamas. I wear secret pajamas even in the fancy situation, though. Really? Yeah. Because Bold. I can wear dresses, mm-hmm. but that are just fancier, but they're so comfortable. <laughs> and a blazer is not uncomfortable to mm-hmm. wear, you know, so mm-hmm. it's fine. But I just, like, wanted to be more dressed up than I was when I'm like, oh, I'm here with very important people and uh-huh. I kind of look like a bit of a scrub right now. Like, I'm wearing my Blundstones, big fuzzy socks, layers of chiffon. So comfortable, yeah, skirts. though. Oh, so com- And, like, crystal jewelry and shit. You had the power. It's all good. I enchanted them all with my witchy ways. I think in this this city, though, you can, you really can get away with that. That's Mm -hmm. almost like a conscious choice that some people make that you'll find, you know, in almost any situation. It's true. Yeah. So and for you. there is, like, the interesting uniforms that I've noticed around. Like, I can always mm. pick out who the labor, like, union people are because they always wear jeans and, like, a button-up plaid shirt with a blazer oh, and, like, work shoes kind of thing. Yeah. And then you can tell, like, the social worker nurses wear Blundstones, yes. jeans, and, like, a fun t-shirt with a blazer. Like, it's... <laughs> It just, so I have all the different, like, yeah. Anyway. You've got a different outfit for every union you've ever been part of, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. and, like, and every role. I definitely am, like, yeah, malleable in that way. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, the... That's useful. The not flexible and, and, like, unable to improvise or, like, read the room or innovate or whatever. I was just like, mm, no. no, that doesn't fit. So, but this one about, like, yeah, struggling to make tough decisions, apparently. Do you have issues with struggling to make tough decisions because that I don't understand how we got the J on the J but then it says that our weakness is like sometimes you can be stricken with like paralysis if you're caught between a rock and a hard place because you can imagine all the consequences especially if they're humanitarian Hmm. and that to me is like I thought the judgment was supposed to be about decisiveness interesting I don't I don't feel that for me Mm -hmm. um on this one so I'm reading are you reading ENFJ or INF ENFJ it's okay. Oh, I didn't even get to that page. So yeah. here um, I'm reading that they have a tremendous capacity for reflecting on and analyzing their own feelings. True. Mm-hmm. Which if, which also is supposed to be I, not I me. know. It doesn't make any sense. This is <laughs> oh, very weird. Oh, no, this is bullshit. We've blown it up. We've blown <laughs> up the spot. But if Are you get, sure you're looking at the right one? Yeah. Okay. But if they get too caught up in another person's plight, they can develop a sort of emotional hypochondria, seeing other people's problems in themselves, trying to fix something in themselves that isn't wrong. Yeah, I do that for mm-hmm. sure. It's important for ENFJs to pull back and use that self-reflection to distinguish between what they really feel and what is a separate issue that needs to be looked at from another perspective. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> totally. uh, one, one thing I have in my uh, interpersonal relationships for INFJ is uh, something that it, it's, it's both, it's a little humble braggy, but it's also very 
true. Mm-hmm. It's just like uh, INFJ's eloquence and persuasiveness can lead to a lot of unwanted attention and popularity. Ah. Um, <laughs> that's the popularity thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, ugh, I'm popular. It's so sad. But it's like... <laughs> You know, people wanting to talk to you or get your opinion on things is awesome, but when yes. it's like a, when it's like almost a full time job, sometimes it can be training communities that yeah. you're involved in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, there are quiet and determined idealism and imaginative expression naturally draw influence. And if there's anything INFJs avoid, it's the accumulation of power over others and people who are drawn to that type of power, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. extremely true for mm-hmm. me. I do mm-hmm. not like authority over other people. Yeah. I love authority over myself and the things that I do. I'm mm-hmm. terrible at taking it, but uh, yeah, I don't want to determine for other people what the best thing is. It's partly why I don't have kids, because I'm just like, <laughs> I don't fucking know little people. <laughs> Good, Good luck! Out. <laughs> Good luck! <sighs> Good fucking luck. Mm-hmm. And I think because you're so introspective, but then you also model it in a really external way a lot of the time, and then people mm-hmm. see that, and then they want your, like almost blessing for like, well, I've been doing some good work too. Like, am I yeah, good? Right. Am I good? Am I, I get good? that. I get the, I'm, am I good Katie. kind of thing. You are, you're absolutely are. But I, was, like, <laughs> I talked about this on the podcast also. It's just like the, like, how straight guys want to tell me, straight guys always want to tell me if they've had like gay experiences, oh. regardless of whether I've been dating them or for friends right. or something like that. Like they always want to be like, well, you know what? I'm not a hundred percent straight. If, even if you think that I am, I'm actually cool and I've done adventurous things and I'll be like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. That's nice, honey. <laughs> oh, did you touch your penis? <laughs> oh, Ooh, that's cute. <laughs> I do like it when I find out that guys... <laughs> yeah, no, I automatically like them better. If they're like, oh yeah, I definitely think guys are hot. I might not want to, like, suck his dick, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> Who's that character? <laughs> that is uh, 70% of all straight men. <laughs> his name is Ryan. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. We're it's so the, sorry. The Ur, the Ur Chad. <laughs> Ryan the Ur Chad. Ryan the Chad. Ryan the Chad. Oh, my goodness. Chad Anthony. Oh, this has been fun. Have mm-hmm. we learned something about ourselves? That we love just, bullshit categorization oh, yeah, totally. so much. It's just kind so of good. reinforced, and then I'm just like, it's the same way that I'm with astrology, where I'm like, oh my god, that is so me. Ah, oh, that's not really me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and even though they fall in the same category, it's just like... I take the things that I like and that reinforce what I feel about myself and then I reject the rest. <laughs> there that, you go. Because I don't want to have bad traits. <laughs> <laughs> we got to pick and choose like it's the hot bar at Whole Foods, guys. <laughs> it's just the and most fun just way. just as insufferable. <laughs> and just as insufferable and oh, overpriced yes. <laughs> and inaccessible. <laughs> so tell me about bird sex. Oh my gosh. Do we have time to oh, get yeah. into that? Oh yeah, just a little bit. Well, I mean, I I have to say that I am not an expert in the subject. I, I I'm a could, hobbyist. That could be the subtitle. <laughs> bird sex. That could be the subtitle of our podcast. I am not an expert in this. Not but. at all. I just I recently read a book that was just absolutely fascinating. Um, it's called The Evolution of Beauty, and it was written by an ornithologist. And I'm fascinated. Fucking hope so. <laughs> you never know. Bird science. <laughs> So I just, I find birds very interesting. I've always, I think because I'm a musician, I've always been fascinated by bird song particularly Mm -hmm. and, you know, how birds use song as their form of communication. This book was, uh, the the thesis that he's putting forward is that um, he is a Darwinian, which is very controversial, I understand, but um, his idea is that Birds have evolved various traits, and um, certain birds have beautiful plumage, the colors, the the 
<laughs> just immediately thought of that as a plumage. And they have uh, these incredible mating rituals that involve dances and, and acrobatics and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and his his argument is that this evolved due to not for natural selection. Being a great dancer is not necessarily going to be the best for survival of a species. Um, having, but like, if you can attract more mates by doing it, but if you it. can attract more mates, and the idea here is that it's actually um, it was uh, a result of female mate preference that caused this. It wasn't that the the males were evolving and changing, you know, to attract uh, females. The females chose males based on their particular kink or their particular, <laughs> like, whatever kind of turned them on. And then the idea I thought was fascinating was that female mate choice was really important because what it means is that that characteristic is going to be passed down to the offspring so that if more females, say, prefer, you know, a blue plumage versus orange, um, that their offspring are also going to have a preference towards blue versus orange and that'll keep their line going longer. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I learned that was really interesting <laughs> is that um, <laughs> most birds don't have a penis. Most male birds... Um, they they just kind of like That's they just the kind of come together like like they just like, like males have them too oh yeah cloacas oh, yeah. yes I read about the cloaca okay so they just kind of just have different gametes inside oh, of them oh I see so they just kind of smush themselves together and then the sperm just somehow ends up in the ladybird but there is a small <laughs> like that movie <laughs> directed by Greta Gerwig. <laughs> Ladybird. There's a small number of birds, though, that do have a penis. And the ones that have a penis tend to be, there's a lot more sexual conflict and aggression in that particular type of bird. Um, And penis. And now ducks are being the most interesting. Did you know about this? Because I had ducks on my farm. And so. And you saw the duck penis? Yes. So the. 42 centimeters. Yeah. What the hell? That's like it's really long. It's all tucked up inside them in a weird corkscrew thing. Yeah, I believe I've talked about my like ducks corkscrew dick on this podcast before. <laughs> okay, Do you all have right. A song about it um, because because the we had like a male and a female duck and a bunch of female chickens and the female mm-hmm. duck died and then the male duck went after all of our female chickens with like mega aggression. You're kidding. And he would like yeah jump on them and ravage them in horrible ways. Oh, it was yeah. very bad. It's and nasty. Then, and I remember seeing the duck like chase the chicken with his little weird penis like. <laughs> <laughs> just the dangling down. As he was waddling away, and it was like, oh, just imagine so him like weird. shouting after her, like Donald Duck, like. But like, yeah, really aggressive. Just dragging like, on the ground. Yeah. Fucking chill, ducks. What like? <laughs> I know it's nasty. So says your name rhymes with fuck. The interesting <laughs> thing is that um, That's so why they called him that, I guess. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> so the question is now, why why does the duck have a very very long corkscrew shaped penis? Like, what does that do? He's How- a sommelier on the weekends. <laughs> That's how he gets all the ladies. Yeah, Dick Somalia. <laughs> Dick Somalia. He's uh, like, oh yeah, this is a nice Chateau de Nif de Pop. Uh, hang on a second. <laughs> oh, I wish this was a visual podcast. Uh, let the listener know that I mimed putting my dick into a, my duck penis into a bottle of wine and unscrewing it in a very aggressive way. <laughs> It's a thing of beauty. Thank Anyways, you. an interesting that thing that's happened is that uh, females have evolved to counter the corkscrew. Mm. So the the direction that the corkscrew, I believe, the male uh, penis goes counterclockwise. Except in Australia. <laughs> 
That's not true. That's a myth. It doesn't happen. Um, but the female's vagina has um, evolved to counter it, to go uh, resist it, so that you know a duck cannot get in there. <laughs> Unless she wants him to. So, like, when she wants him to, does it twist the other way or untwist I'm or something? Sure, I think it just she's more willing to allow it. But it's interesting <laughs> that, like, um, that over time, like, that they have evolved. So, um, if you look at different uh, species, you'll see that some have just like slight corkscrew, and then the ducks, like the mallard ducks that we see, oh my god, it's like completely insane, like how much this evolution has caused them to to change their sex parts to be, you know, very incompatible. It's weird that a lot of like animal evolution around sex is to like avoid it or yeah. like to to count like especially in the female like even in the human female reproductive system there's like so many like traps that the sperm have to go through <laughs> so many hurdles to sperm jump traps. and like the acidity is totally wrong the like the mucus levels have to be just perfect or else mm-hmm. they get stuck there's all these like booby traps in there <laughs> 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 and, but same with like a lot of other like animals that have mm-hmm. weird mating things where it's just like I thought you wanted to like evolution should be to carry on the species but right. so much of the evolution is to prevent it but only the right ones I guess yeah exactly right? and the whole idea is that it's about the female mate selection mm-hmm. like to empower females to decide yeah, you know that this straight. this is the this is the dude I want and this is where you know this is the kind of babies I want to raise and mm-hmm. you know with the idea that over time if that female is successful that the species will become less aggressive towards females oh. more more likely to stick around and help raise young, and you know they can evolve that way. And yeah, if you so look, so we're at... training training dudes to not be assholes and yes. to be like equal partners. And have you guys heard about the uh, uh, baboon uh, population in I want to say Zimbabwe? Maybe it was Swaziland. Uh, it was there was uh, a. Um, I guess not an anthropologist, I suppose a biologist who was observing the behaviors of this of this baboon troop that was oh. eating a lot of hmm? I think I know, I think I know the cockroach I think it's called the cockroach hmm. troop or something like that uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's this guy the scientist I could just describe him to you is this beautiful like super wiry curly hair and he's just sort of like a weird gray-haired uncle dude <laughs> and he's talking about this whole thing it's like well the the monkeys they ate they they always like scavenged from a dumpster from a hotel basically and oh, then they okay. ate tainted food but because it's all the aggressive men who, or men males who got all the food first they got like this tainted food and they all got sick and died oh wow uh, and so it became like but basically a more matriarchal culture in this troop ah. and they uh, um, like more they would let like beta male uh, baboons into the troop and mm-hmm. and eventually they've now this one family basically this this one sort of community of baboons is making less aggressive um, males basically mm-hmm. because that they've self selected for yep. it. Yeah, and when a new male would come in, they would like the other males would teach the new male to like not be aggressive and stuff like that. Like the mm-hmm. is that yeah? Am I remembering yeah, that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think that's really interesting. It's all kind of. Natural selection is all trying to like go towards less aggression, which is like yeah. let's have our human species evolve cool. that way too. Yeah. Like, and and in this book, he like the the final chapters are and how can we apply this to human nature mm-hmm. and how we've evolved. And so he's comparing um, our closest uh, primate relatives and showing like there's a, a real contrast like the chimpanzees mm-hmm. versus the bonobos. I love them bonobos. I love them bonobos so much. It Kenya. Oh. It was Kenya. I was cool. wrong about the African country that it's from. Yeah, it's it's really it's great to to think about. I mean, I think humanity has a long way to go for sure. Mm-hmm. That we still see lots of acts of aggression, um, but it 
is hopeful to show that, you know, that the ladies can make a difference. Yeah, so there's some, like, that socialization where it's like, you know, if this dude is an asshole, don't have sex with him. <laughs> like, that was, like, a whole, like, you know, feminist sexual revolution type thing where it's like, yeah, don't put up with bad behavior or yeah. withhold sex from, like, the bad person yes. or whatever. It's like, and sometimes that's hard because, you know, you still are... We still are all unfortunately attracted to men. Oh, brother. Um, So then sometimes it's hard to be like, oh, I'm just not going to have sex with any man that exhibits this behavior. (laughs) It's like, but I don't know. That's. Well, they're just called Forest Troop. I found the name of the Baptist. Forest Forest Troop. Nice. Nice. I know. I'm overreaching with that statement, obviously, but it's like. (laughs) You know, we can try to sell, like, you know, be a partner with, like, a good partner, and then hopefully mm-hmm. you will raise children together that will also have chiller qualities and not perpetuate We, just, we need to Liz Estrada the totally. yeah. collectively. We need to collectively right organize Liz Estrada them. Let's all please explain Liz Estrada Liz for Estrada. the listeners who don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh no, we all know Liz Estrada. Yeah, of course. I have. I've seen it only in uh, references. I've never actually read the mm. original play or story or whatever it is. But basically, it is uh, women in a village or community want a war to stop, oh. but the men keep doing war. And they're like, you know what? We're not gonna fuck you anymore <laughs> if you keep doing wars. And they're like, oh no, my wiener. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that this is the exact plot. <laughs> of, uh, what says. a beautiful, beautiful libretto. <laughs> Is, you know, it's emerged in like um, there's like an African culture version of the story. There's right. there's people who've actually just done it as a as a community to get things done. Wow. I love women. Women are incredible. I just like I wish that we themselves. could organize better. Like obviously, intersectionality is a huge thing, and lots and lots of women have different experiences. So you can't just say stone cold. Let's all just do the same thing because that right. won't work for everybody, no. especially in our global society. And there are lots mm, of like lots of women who are fucking assholes that will continue to for like sure. keep being bad and want to do war stuff too. Stop so, doing like, war stuff. Yeah. So like we can't just globally <laughs> do that, but like. I don't know. In smaller communities. I feel like we've all got good friends and good dudes in our life that, like, make a good community together, so that's good. I keep it going. Kick somebody out that's bad. (laughs) I'm a little bit more on tender hooks around men these days. I'm just kind of like, Mm. "Mm, we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. I dare you to disappoint me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because then I'll just be disappointed in you and you'll feel horrible. You'll feel so bad. Because all that social capital you got, you'll just spend it elsewhere. Yeah, I'm making it rain on different (laughs) hoes. Oh, man. Well, should we... Don't uh, come for me. Should we put a pin in this uh, beautiful bird sex story mm, <laughs> with I, all of its yeah. hopefulness and go downstairs and have a bullet journal party because yeah. we're nerds? I mean, I'll post, I'll post a bunch of like funny bird sex videos with this one, <laughs> including <laughs> the one where um, the uh, kakapo fucks the dude's head. Oh, yes, that one's really, Shira- really good. Shiraka the kakapo. And uh, a video I saw of a person who made a bird of paradise costume and then did the dance from uh, <gasps> Planet Earth, which is incredible, oh, so I'll put that out. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Bird. Dick. Woo-hoo. <laughs>